Hey, this is Lou Mangello from WDW Radio, and you are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 130 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you're new to Stories of the Magic, we are a positive and story-filled Disney podcast offering stories from cast members, Imagineers, artists, actors, and more, including guests, promoting a mutual love of Disney, celebrating and preserving the Disney magic and legacy, and inspiring people to live their dreams just as Walt Disney did. If that appeals to you or piques your curiosity, you're definitely in the right place, and I'm glad you're here. Today, we conclude our interview with former Imagineer Brian Collins. In part one, we talked about how he got started working for Disney at the front desk of Walt Disney World's Contemporary Resort, how he worked himself from there to Imagineering, what Imagineering's headquarters are like and some of his favorite memories from being there, and how he applied what he learned in school to being an Imagineer. Now, in this episode, Brian talks about a class he thought he would enjoy but hated, and then it came back to be a huge help to him when working on The Great Movie Ride writing family-friendly graffiti for the backlot area of Disney's MGM Studios, experiencing the Magic Kingdom with Disney legend John Hinch, suggestions for how people can develop curiosity in themselves, how his Imagineering experience has helped him since moving on from working with Disney, what he would do if he could have any job working for Disney, tips for you for visiting the Disney theme parks, what he never gets asked that he wishes people would ask him, and his answer to that question. What inspires him, his advice to you for following your dreams, and of course, shameless plug time. Now for this one, some of his social media links that he mentioned at the time we recorded have changed, so be sure to go to the show notes for the current links. Now a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over the counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, 
Zune, and Blackberry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by JewelBeat.com And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. I'll tell you one class that I thought I would have enjoyed in college and I just hated because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I think we, you know, a lot of us have taken courses like that in high school or college or whatever. But there was, I took a course one time in film history. I just hated that class. <laughs> really? Way over. And guess what course came back to help me probably some of the most when I was working on The Great Movie Ride? You know, I mean, one of the things I did was write backstories, for example, for the gangster character and, and the um, Western bandit. These are things that the guests never see, but, you know, there are storylines of who that gangster is as a real person, you know, or who that bandit was as a real person and, and how they got to be where they are today. And understanding, you know, reaching back and remembering about, you know, those great Jimmy Cagney or, you know, some of those Humphrey Bogart movies, you know, those film noir detective films and stuff, um, knowing about Al Capone and Prohibition from a historical point of view, um, and Elliot Ness and, you know, so, you know, it's re- it was really kind of like drawing in on all of, at least on a subconscious, if not, you know, certainly at, at times, a con- definitely a conscious level, um, but drawing on all that knowledge to be able to write, you know, in two or three paragraphs, who Muggsy the Bandit was, you know, or Muggsy the Gangster was, it was, you know, again, again, you can never connect the dots looking forward, but certainly I was doing it going backwards. Yeah, I can imagine so clearly. And uh, yeah, it's good that you're able to do that and then help people understand, hey, you might be taking a class or having an experience that isn't your favorite thing or not what you thought it was going to be, but it could very well have some value later on. So you know, stick with yeah. it as much as you can and get as much as you can out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I lecture um, now and, and do like some consulting work. And one of the things I talk about is um, the fact that, you know, certainly when I was teaching courses to my students, one thing I would talk about is the fact that uh, I think creative people have these tremendous mental filing cabinets. And, you know, we look around and we observe things in our everyday life and we're not necessarily focused on them, but we see a pattern in nature or you know, a color of a room or we smell something in a restaurant and we just kind of tuck those little experiences away in our mental filing cabinets um, and put them away until we need them at some point. And, and I think, you know, the best creative people out there are ones who have these, you know, really big mental filing cabinets where they just stuck all this junk. You know, it's kind of like I go in my garage and my wife's always like, you know, empty the garage. I'm like, well, I, I don't want to clear that. She's like, well, what do you need that stuff for? I'm like, I, I don't know. I need it, you know, and <laughs> what happens as soon as you throw it out? That's when you need it, right? Right, of course. <laughs> so so, so I, I think, you know, as creative people, we do the same thing with, with our brains. You know, we tend to file stuff away, never knowing why or when we'll need it, but just kind of trusting that someday it's going to come back to serve as well. 
Yeah. And clearly it has many times over. Yeah, I so hope so. <laughs> so you're just telling me about that uh, film history class uh, in that you took in college and how it uh, benefited you and related to what you did at WDI. But uh, did you have any other college work or internships that ended up relating to what you did there? Well, gosh, I mean, certainly all my writing and composition classes and all of that. I, I mean, literally, there probably wasn't a class that I didn't tap into at some point. Um, you know, we talked about the history part. We talked about the writing part. But even like, you know, the science stuff um, will come back like, I don't know. I mean, one of the things I did was like a little fake um, uh, makeup point at, at the studios. And I had to make up these labels for um, the makeup uh, jars and cans and stuff. And, you know, so trying to like come up with like, you know, the appropriate um, uh, chemical names, you know, stuff that sounded, you know, kind of real. Um, at one point I was asked to write family friendly graffiti for the back lot having to, you know, look at like different and, and, my approach to that was I wanted it to look like it was a very cross-cultural blend of graffiti. So kind of, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like um, it would be relevant, but, you know, really, I mean, to, you know, kind of have a sense for an understanding of different cultures and, you know, that, that type of thing. Certainly when I was working in the World Showcase um, and, and writing plaques or whatever it may be, your spiels, for that having to tap into um you know in, in, into that type of stuff so i mean really you just kind of never knew where you were going to be drawing from yeah yeah some of that that you were just describing i mean family friendly family friendly graffiti that was cross-cultural never would have crossed my mind so it's amazing yeah. to hear you describe that and think oh yeah you know that's what you have. And I can see why it's well, important, but I don't think I would have ever thought about it myself. I, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes Imagineers um, such a special breed is that, you know, we all tend to be very, very curious. And like I said, we have these deep mental filing cabinets to draw from. And, you know, I, I think a big part of it is being able to not take something something that's not necessarily obvious and you know ha and, and draw on that to make a really good show for the guest and experience for the guest um you know just about everything at disney is done for a reason or a purpose that, that there's a, a method to the madness if you will i mean even i i had the very fortunate chance to walk through both the Magic Kingdom and Epcot with John Hench. For those of you who don't know John, John was, um, he, he's a Disney legend, but he was one of Watts animators. He walked on, worked on Fantasia. He was a brilliant animator. And the thing that John understood very well was color design and color depth. And John was the one who really kind of helped walk designed the color palettes for his theme parks, first Disneyland and then the Magic Kingdom. And, you know, I mean, you know, the first Imagineers, you know, these guys were people that walked handpicked from his studios. They were filmmakers, they were animators, 
And that's kind of the perspective and the knowledge that they brought to designing his parks and his attractions. So, you know, for John, again, you know, it's not the kind of thing that people would think about, but each of the lands in the Magic Kingdom, for example, has got a very distinct color palette. So when you walk into uh, Tomorrowland, for example, you're going to see a lot of like grays and blues and silvers, you know, futuristic industrial kind of stuff. As you go into uh, Fantasyland, the colors become more bright, more primary colors. You make your way over into Frontierland and you've got the earthy desert colors, you know, Frontierland, the more subdued tropical colors. And, and that's all done for a reason and a purpose. And even details like, I remember John telling me, you know, one of the reasons that they used red on the ground for like the sidewalks, for example, um, and again, this is, you know, the only an animator would think this way, you know, thankfully, you know, he was thinking the way he did. But the reason they put red on the ground for the sidewalks and that is because red is the complementary color of green. So when you put something red against something that's green, that green is going to pop out um, much brighter and much more than it normally would. You know, it's the same theory if you go into a butcher, for example. Um, or you go into the grocery store and you look at the steaks and they've got, you know, a little piece of green parsley on top of the steak or, you know, green edging or something or, or around the meats, you know, because that green makes the, the red meat, you know, look so much more juicy and delicious. Well, you know, same thing with the red sidewalks. It makes all the foliage and the grass and the greenery and the trees and bushes um, that much more vibrant in the Magic Kingdom. So things are always done for a reason and a purpose. And, you know, again, you, you just never know where you're going to be needing to draw from your background to, to be able to execute like that. Yeah, that's such a brilliant detail. I'd never heard of that or thought about that. But <laughs> now that you mention it, yeah, I can see it. Obviously, I, a lot of people like to ask Imagineers, how can I become an Imagineer? And I think that that's such a vague question. And there's so many <laughs> paths and avenues to it that it's really not a helpful question. But we've been talking a lot about how Imagineers kind of as a group tend to be very curious and have that large mental filing cabinet. So do you have any you know, suggestions, maybe a couple of tips on how people can develop that in themselves? You know, I, I think you just kind of, it starts with just making a conscious effort to be open-minded um, and be accepting of the world, you know, not being closed to anything. You know, I, I think that's where it starts. Um, I think tolerance, you know, plays a big part in that. I think, you know, being accepting is, is a big part of that being, um, you know, just, um willing to to look at other people's points of views and and not shutting down your brain um always you know asking you know what can be done what not what why can't it be done you know looking for that positive i think you know having a positive mindset is, is very very important um to to being able to kind of fill up that middle bottom cabinet if you will um I mean, I mean, there are some things if people are interested in, in getting into Imagineering. I mean, the one thing I would say is just focus on what you love to do and become very good at it and then find a way to do it differently than other people do it. You know, again, one thing I always tell my students is if you do the same thing as everyone else, 
you're just going to be like everyone else. So if you want to be different, you got to kind of, you know, make that effort to, to be different and find new ways, new paradigms, you know, to look at things, um, you know, new ways to execute things. Um, what, what, whatever your passion may be, whether it's writing or engineering, you know, I mean, not all engineers are just the pure creative people. I mean, there are a lot of imagineers that, you know, design the, the engineering and, and, and that kind of stuff. There are civil engineers that look at traffic flow through the attractions. I mean, there are so many different disciplines, but find what your passion is and, and focus on that and then just stay open-minded to the other possibilities out there. Um, Disney does offer a college, pro if you're in college, they do offer a college program. I wouldn't necessarily call it an internships, although they do also offer internships. And if you go to their website, to their job career website, all of their internships are posted. Um, actually, WDI saw had an internship posted uh, just a few days ago. Um, so there are internships that you can apply for. There's the college program that you can apply for. Imagineering also has a annual contest where they put out a call for different college teams to solve a problem. And these teams compete against each other and they submit their entries to Imagineering. And um, I think the winning team, each member gets an internship at WDI, if I'm not mistaken. So there are some pathways and, and certainly you know, I'm not saying that you have to have a college education. It certainly doesn't hurt. Um, and I would say probably most Imagineers probably do. But, you know, the hard way is take a job at Walt Disney World to get your foot in the door, Disneyland, and, you know, start networking and, you know, see if you can make it happen that way. You know, it's, it's not the easiest way to do it, but, you know, certainly a lot of people do do it. They do like to hire and promote from within. Yeah, I've heard that. So that's that's good advice all the way around. Everything you just described is, I think, extremely beneficial for people who possibly want to become an Imagineer or want to work for Disney or just want to be more effective and even in some ways a more interesting person. I think so. I think so. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, now my, my kids might argue differently again. You know, you know dads can never be cool, right? Oh, of course. It's a kid's job to argue differently <laughs> about that. <laughs> now, you don't uh, actually work for Disney and Imagineering anymore. You're, you work on a contract Correct. basis, but you're not actually employed by Disney. You've moved on to do some other things. So how Correct. has your Imagineering experience helped you since moving on from WDI? Well, you know, not only my Imagineering experience, but just my Disney experience as a whole. Like I said, you know, I realized you know, when I was way back then, when I was very young and starting in my career, how important it would be to work for a company like Disney and to be able to learn and absorb all I could from them as far as how they do business, their approach to customer service, all that kind of stuff. And those are lessons that have stayed with me my entire career now at this point. So, you know, that's that's one thing I would say. You know, it's it's almost like being in the mafia <laughs> for certainly when you work as an Imagineer, it's like, you know, you're never out, you know, it's like you're always part of the family. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny as I went on with my career after I moved on from Disney, I never really kind of focused on my background as an Imagineer. I mean, I was certainly always, you know, it's something I, I always thought was a cool part of my past and 
all of that, but I, I never really focused on it until probably maybe the last 10 years or so, eight years, where I really kind of started kind of leveraging that background. And as I started doing more podcast interviews and uh, having more of a presence on Twitter um, and things like that, I realized just how, and, and I don't mean this in a self-serving kind of a way or a conceited kind of a way, but I realized how much Imagineers are, you know, respected for for what they do and, and what they are. And, you know, it's always, it's kind of like, a, you know, if someone wants to write a book on, you know, exercise and health and fitness, you know, there are a lot of people that write books about that stuff. But if you can say you were a, a Navy SEAL and you put that title on the book, or if you write a book about, you know, use, you know the astronaut thing again, you know, a book about science or other space and you say you're a former astronaut I, i'm finding that being a former imagineer kind of carries that same kind of um weight if, if you will you know it's it's been a good thing and very helpful and you know these days i am trying to you know go back and help other companies i'm actually meeting with someone a little bit later this afternoon who has ties to the military industry um, i'm actually in the air force auxiliary so so i've got a, a little bit of a Godline connection to, to the military as well. And one of the things that I'm going to be talking to him about is how we can cross-pollinate um, some ideas I have, you know, taking them from the attractions industry and applying them to military simulation and training. Um, you know, it, it certainly is something that I've always tapped into and, and continue to tap into. And, uh, it certainly does make work a lot more interesting and fun sometimes. I'll say that. I'm sure it does. And I'm sure it makes for great conversation starters. You know, can imagine you probably get a lot of clients or even just, uh, you know, potential business relationships just when the subject of Disney comes up and they find out what you did. And then that sparks all kinds of possibilities and conversations yeah. and opportunities from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I mean, sometimes, you know, again, people, well, sometimes, you know, when they learn I was an Imagineer, you know, they get really enamored. and it, It's kind of weird, you know, almost starstruck at times, you know, for, for some, some Disney fans. I remember I was with my son who's in college. I was at a uh, dinner with him. He pledged the same fraternity I was in when I, I was in college. So we were, uh, their chapter was having a uh, formal dinner. So, so they invited me to come out and I was, uh, at the table with my son and, and there were a half dozen other young folks out there, you know, college kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, my son just casually mentioned my background. You know, it came up that I was a former engineer and one of the girls, boy, she was like, Oh my gosh, really? And it was like, it was like almost embarrassing, like kind of, no, really, it's just me. I mean, uh, so, you know, I, I definitely am always conscious of what that label carries with it you know i just hope i'm doing okay to kind of honor honor the legacy you know and, and you know do justice to the talented folks who are still out there working um it's it's been a great ride you know and, and hopefully i can stay on it for a little while yeah i hope so and from what i've seen and heard so far i personally think that you are doing a great job of honoring the legacy and the people who have worked and are continuing to work in that. Thank you. You're very welcome. 
you got to do a couple of things working for Disney, but if you could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, what would it be and why? And you can invent a job if it doesn't already exist. I would oh, say you have to come up short of Emperor of Disney. You don't get to do that. <laughs> but short of that, whatever you want. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> you know, I would love to just kind of do kind of what I'm doing right now, which is to kind of be an ambassador for Imagineering and, you know, for Disney. You know, it's just always has held a very special part, obviously, in my career, my life. And I love being able to kind of share it and, and talk about the experience and, and um, hopefully encourage other people. I'm very big in STEM education, uh, STEM science, technology, engineering, and math for, for all you folks that didn't understand what that is. But um, I'm really keen on STEM education. I think that's very important. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, being able to encourage kids these days whether they're in elementary or junior high or high school or even college, to be able to kind of pursue their dreams and, you know, find some meaning in their life and, and just do good in the world. You know, that that's important to me. And if I could find a way to kind of, like I said, kind of be an ambassador for Disney or for Imagineering. So if you're listening out there, WGI, <laughs> give me a call. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think that'd be a very cool thing to be doing at this point in my career. Yeah, I think so. Imagineering slash Disney ambassador. That sounds like a good job. Yeah. I mean, Marty Sklar, you know, is kind of taking on that role, to be honest, right now and, and doing a wonderful job. And, you know, I think there are a lot of folks out there who kind of share his same passion and enthusiasm. Um, you know, I think that's cool. I mean, Marty, you know, was, you know, the consummate Imagineer. You know, he, he led the company for many, many years. Certainly when I was down there, uh, you know, working back, you know, back back in the uh, 80s and 90s. And, um, you know, I just think it's so cool, you know, at this point, you know, that he's still kind of out there being an uh, ambassador for the organization. Yeah, that's great. And in fact, I'm going to be at the D23 Expo in, what is it, about two weeks now, a little over two weeks. And yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to the presentation that he's going to be doing there. I'd like to... Uh, hear him speak again yeah definitely now as a florida resident and a former imagineer and a former walt disney world resort cast member granted some of this is from a little ways back but i think some things don't really change too much in this area uh, do you have any tips that you would want to share with guests you know maybe something that they may not know or notice like the red you know, ground <laughs> right. for the, the, you know, that sort of thing or, or, you know, anything like that, that could make their visit better. Uh, I think as you know, here you'd have an interesting and unique perspective on that. Yeah. Well, when they come to Florida, make sure and go to my website and track me down because I do give tours through the magic kingdom from an imaginative point of view <laughs> in the shameless plug into Epcot. Um, but aside from that, <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, I think a lot of just very cool, you know, there's a lot of like things that you can do with Disney that people wouldn't necessarily think of that don't cost a lot of money and sometimes are completely free. So for example, um, out at Fort Wilderness, every night they show a campfire movie and you can go out there, you can see a Disney movie for free. Um, you can buy uh, the fixings for s'mores and make your own s'mores around the campfire. And uh, it's just a really fun, enjoyable evening that not a lot of people know about 
You can also, uh, they have these little boats, like little speed boats that you can rent. I think in most of the major resorts out there around Bay Lake, I think at Disney Springs, you can rent them. And, and those are a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people don't know about those, but you can rent these little speed boats and go out onto uh, Bay Lake, for example, and get a perspective of the Magic Kingdom that few people get. Um, so that's a lot of fun to do. Just go around and spend some time, like if it's raining, you know, this time of year, it's very rain, rainy in Florida, and you have to deal with that. I always tell people if they get, you know, nailed with a really bad rainstorm, to go out and check out the lobbies of some of the different Disney resorts. I mean, they are amazing. And, you know, you can start at the Magic Kingdom and go to the Contemporary and hop on the monorail and then go over to the Polynesian and the Grand Floridian and, and check them all out. You know, that that's an easy kind of a fun way to, to spend some time. And again, doesn't cost any money. It sounds like, well, going out, you know, seeing a hotel lobby or seeing a resort is probably like something that your kids would be like, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't want to do that, but I guarantee you, I've never, you know, taken anyone out to those resorts or recommended they go out there and they've come back without saying, wow, that was amazing. The Animal Kingdom Lodge, the Wilderness Lodge, on and on and on. You know, all, all the Disney resorts are very cool. So, you know, that would be something I, I recommend is, especially if you've been to Disney before and you're looking for, like some new ways to to see things or experience things um that's something that a lot of people don't do and and, and it's you know to me i, I think we're worth the time so there, there are a few kind of tips for you those are some great tips and yeah that the touring the resorts is something that i've done a couple of times and i agree it really is for people who have never been there and don't really have a, a grasp or a concept of what these hotels and resorts are like. It sounds kind of boring, but it's anything but. Um, No. Yeah, they're spectacular. I mean, you know, again, it's the Disney touch, you know, that you're not going to find anywhere else. It's not not even like going into like a nice Ritz-Carlton or Hyatt Lobby or something like that. I mean, it's so much more beyond that that you really have to check it out. For example... You're like a train enthusiast, and, and um, you know everyone knows that Walt Disney was was a huge train enthusiast with the Carolwood Express and, and all of that. If, um, if if you share Walt's love of trains, or even just you know want to see something kind of cool and interesting, if you go out to the Disney's Wilderness Lodge, they have a whole room there called the I think it's called the Carolwood Room actually. Um, Carolwood Express was the name of the little mini train that Walt Disney had running through his backyard of his estate <laughs> in California. And he used to give train rides on this little miniature train to his daughters and, and her, their friends and stuff. But there's a whole room now at the uh, Wilderness Lodge that you can go in and it's got some of the trains and a lot of like artifacts and stuff um, related to Walt's love of trains. So that's just like one example of the kinds of stuff that you can find and and certainly, you know, not to mention just the amazing theming and grandeur uh, of these resorts. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it really is. Okay. Well, thank you very much for those tips. I appreciate it. The suggestions. Let's get into our wrap up questions here. We have a few questions to, as we kind of put a bow on things. Uh, And first is, is there anything that you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? Oh my gosh. About my career at Disney. About um, anything. 
<laughs> about anything. I don't know what, you know, what kind of stuff do I do outside of work and outside of my, my life with Disney, you know, that is important to me. And I guess you're waiting for the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to go ahead and ask it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very big on giving back to the community and, and being active in the community. And that all started with raising three kids. And then after that, two stepkids or five kids, you know, I mean, and, and going having them involved in all kinds of activities. So, I mean, for a long time, I've been involved in Boy Scouts um, as a Boy Scout leader. And the last several years, my role with them has been as a commissioner, which uh, my focus has been to start new scout units in the area. And one thing I'm very proud of is that I actually started the first Islamic scout troop in uh, Southeast Orlando down here in our, in our district, which um, I did that about three years ago and um, has been just an incredible experience dealing with that community. And, and, you know, I mean, just some of the nicest down to earth people you would ever meet. And, you know, I know there's so much negativity and stuff out there in the news, but you know, it's just been a, a tremendously wonderful enriching experience for me. So, so that's part I mentioned. I was also active in um, Civil Air Patrol, which is the Air Force Auxiliary. My kids, you know, were cadets in that program, and I'm actually qualified in uh, search and rescue for them. But most of the time, what I do with Civil Air Patrol is I work with um, my kids' squadron. My my youngest daughter is still in high school; she's a junior, and she's still active. And I teach them aerospace education activities and. The way I do that is, you know, it kind of gets back to what you were saying about that mental filing cabinet and, you know, how, how do you get keep students interested in, in learning? For me, it's all about making their experiences very um, experiential. In, in other words, getting them out of the classroom and taking them on tours and trips to really cool places to do things that normal high school kids wouldn't be able to do. Um, I, I took them not too long ago to JetBlue. And uh, they have a training facility here, and we were able to get inside the flight simulators for the 737s. Um, I think they're 737s, uh, the, the large jumbo jets, and they were able to get behind the, the, you know, in the cockpit, and it actually feels like you're literally flying those planes, you know, wherever it may be. So that kind of stuff is very cool to me. Um, in Hebrew, we have a phrase for it's called tikkun olam, uh, which is basically improving the world. That's something that's, to me, very important and, and ingrained into my culture and, and who I am as a person. So I, I really enjoy giving back to the community in a lot of different levels. Oh, that's really interesting. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What inspires you? What inspires me? Gosh, again, how cliche is it to say your kids? But, you know, I have just loved being a dad and... uh being an Imagineer dad, it's, it's been really kind of fun. Hopefully it's been fun for them. And um, I've passed some of that creativity and curiosity and innovation onto them. And, you know, I, I'm very blessed and lucky to have three amazing kids of my own. Um, and, and they're all very different and uh, just, gosh, so much fun. So, you know, I'm kind of like living my life vicariously through them a lot of times now. My Oldest son works for, uh, it, I don't know if I can, I guess I can say it because we're, <laughs> but he works for the health and company in, in sales. Um, so he's got a, a great job. My middle son is in college and he's the brains of the family. He's studying chemistry and 
minoring in physics. He wants to be an astronaut, you know, so, you know, um, he's actually doing research now, um, studying the composition of Martian soil and how uh, we'll be able to start growing things in, 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 in Martian soil. And, you know, it's like, if I could be an Imagineer, why can't he be an, an astronaut? So he certainly has the brains for it. And, and he's a lot of fun. And he rocks a Hawaiian shirt like no one else. So so that's fun. <laughs> and and um, my daughter, like I said, she's a junior in high school and, and just a great kid too. So so I would, you know, it sounds really cliche, but my, my kids are, are my inspiration. And, you know, for me, I, I just, you know, I, I'm just inspired by a lot of things in my everyday life, you know, just kind of keeping those eyes open and constantly looking at the world through a kid's eyes and filling up that mental filing cabinet. It's, um, you know, it, it just it helps keep keep you young and inspired, to keep, you know, doing your work and keep on living. So, yeah. Excellent. And, you know, something might be cliche, but it doesn't make it untrue. You know, things become cliche yeah. for a reason. So right, I guess. that's great. Now, a lot of people who are listening have their own dreams. Maybe it's to work for Disney, whether as an Imagineer or at Walt Disney World or, or whatever it might be. Maybe it's something else entirely, but they're afraid. Maybe they've even forgotten that they had that dream once. So what advice do you have for that person? For the person who's kind of lost sight of what their dreams were, we start to get older, you know, and, and I've seen this happen to kids too. So, you know, I mean, a lot of times when you hear about people who've like lost sight of their dreams, you think about older people, but they're, you know, kids these days under, are under a ton of stress, you know, more so I think than, than we ever were growing up. And there are a lot of, you know, kids that I think, start to get disillusioned and, and, you know, kind of lose sight of, of what's important to them. And, and I think it's really important to be able to balance, you know, life, work, reality, you know, and, and be able to find time to de-stress. Don't, you know, be such a type A personality that work is the only thing that matters. And, you know, you forget about family, you forget about yourself. You know, I think it's really good for all of us to just kind of check into ourselves every once in a while and kind of evaluate what's important and make a plan for it. You know, I mean, if you're stuck in a job and, and you know, I realize that there are a lot of people that wind up, they go to school, they wind up getting a job. And, you know, before you know it, 10, 15, 20 years have gone by and they're in this career and, you know, maybe they're doing OK financially or whatever, but they're just not happy. And I think it's important to find a way to kind of find what makes you remember what makes you happy. And even if you can't do it necessarily through work, then find ways outside of work to tap into what those, you know, joys of life are. You know, that's one of the reasons why I, I'm still very active, you know, in my mid-50s. I'm still very active in my community work because, you know, giving back to the Boy Scouts or Civil Air Patrol or my synagogue or, you know, whoever it may be, it's a way for me to kind of reconnect with not only the community, but myself on a different level. And I think that's important. You know, I mean, you got to, you just got to make the time to, to do it. And I know sometimes that sounds easier said than done, but, you know, you, you don't get a second shot at this life. You know, you, you got to find I, I think you just got to find ways to find that joy 
that comes to you. And even if it can't maybe be 24-7, certainly, you know, find pockets of time in your life to recharge those batteries and do what's important to you and what you're passionate about. That's true. That is really important. And, and it's very good advice. You know, you're right. You don't want to get to the end of your life and realize that you didn't actually live it because you were just trying to get through. Or, that's really good advice. Thank you. I appreciate that. And now, finally, what you sat through the rest of the time for, so you could get to this point, uh, what we call here on the show, shameless plug time. You already did a little bit of it before, <laughs> but we're going to spotlight it now. Uh, okay. What would you like to mention or promote? How people can find you on social media, website, yeah. tours, whatever. Go for it. So, um, yeah, please visit my website, uh, which is wdwithme.com. And on there, there's a lot of information to my background, some blog entries. Um, I've got links to other podcasts I've done, which I need to desperately update. But wdwithme.com is my website. And from there, you can hook out to all my social media. But I would encourage people to please follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is wdwithmebrian. I love to be followed. Like me on Facebook because I like to be liked. So I like to be followed and liked. Not in a creepy way, but in a social media kind of way. <laughs> um, uh, like I said, I do offer tours at the Magic Kingdom. So here's where the big shameless plug comes in. And I'm in the process of updating my website to make it easier to book those tours and schedule time. So if you're interested in either getting a tour of uh, the Magic Kingdom or Epcot, from an Imagineer's point of view, I also do a like a dinner with an Imagineer or dine with an Imagineer for lunch or dinner. I offer that experience as well. Um, and people can just email me. I mean, I'm very approachable and easy to email me. So you can email me at brian at wdwithme.com. And again, that link's on my website. So there you have it. Got it. And I will put links to that in the show notes as well so that people can find you, you. And, and easily access that. Thank you so much for your time this morning, for your stories and your insights and uh, just everything that you shared. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Brian Collins for being my guest and to you for listening. Now, if you're doing something because of your love for Disney, You've written a book, created a website, you're blogging, writing, or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, or give a compliment or a thank you for anything Disney's done, I'd love to hear from you too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in Apple Podcasts, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, Stitcher Smart Radio, or through Google Play Music. If you like the show, please rate and review it in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. It really helps. Thank you again to the 10 of you who did so that I mentioned last time. If you haven't, now is a great time. Thanks to these new reviews, the show has some momentum and visibility in the Apple Podcast Store. And by taking just a couple of minutes of your time to leave your own review, you can be a crucial part of helping that continue. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. 
While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode. And like I mentioned earlier, it's got the updated links for Brian's social media so that you can find him that way. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening or pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.